1: It's the time, tis the season, where you would think we'd have every reason to smile, to stay and talk a while with no weights bearing on us and with all hope to believe it. But as fireplaces crackle and silver bells jingle, as families mingle and smile, they laugh, all the while inside feeling a weight bearing on them. Weight, like the toy bag of jolly old Chris Kringle. It's a weight that seems burdensome. Heavy, it's steady, but it's there. And we're all aware of its presence. A heaviness present, and in our hearts there's a longing. We are more than just ready, more than ready to drop this weight, to feel lighter, our hearts brighter, as maybe, just maybe. Hope cuts through doubt like a razor, even greater with the love and help of our Savior. We may see the weights all along were really just paper
2: Hey let's give it up for our worship team. Didn't they do a great job? Wow. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, give it up for them. Fantastic. That was awesome. I wish I could play the guitar like Dusty, but and I wish I could grow a beard like his. I mean, I just this beard is incredible. It's amazing. Uh, My name is Troy Maxwell. My wife and I are the senior pastors here. I'm so glad you decided to join us today. We also have a bunch of people online. New Mexico, California, Florida, Georgia, Minnesota. Appreciate you writing that out for me, the Minnesota one. North Carolina, South Carolina, and Utah. Church, let's give it up for all of our online live streamers. Don't forget, you can always go back and watch all of these messages. And I feel the need just to make it very clear Um, I've done this on social media, but just I thought thought I'd say it publicly. Um, I believe that the church is essential, and uh, we will not shut down ever again. I just want you to let you you know that as a church. We're going to be here for you if you want to come. I'm going to be here every single week, regardless of if you show up or not. Uh, if you decide not to come, we also have online. I just want to let you know, for those of you that are staying home, at risk, whatever, um, I want you to know we're here for you. We're here to serve you. Um, I want you to stay connected with the community. Please make sure that you're attending church every week. I would encourage you, um, you know, I know you may not be coming here, but get in your car, go around the block, and then come back to your living room and then have church and pretend like you just did something so you could actually... Kind of experience it and and feel like you went somewhere because I know it's difficult, but I want you to know that whatever you need from a pastoral care standpoint, we're here to pray for you. If you need meals, if you need attention, uh, we have life groups that are meeting online. Make sure you connect with them. But um, if you if you want to stay home, great. If you want to come to church, if you know people that are looking for a church to connect with, we are here. I'm going to keep preaching. We're going to keep opening. Uh, people, I, I, I take very seriously what's going on with COVID and coronavirus, but I also take very seriously what God wants to do through His church, and we're going to continue to be the church. Can I get an amen? Now, how many of y'all have a bucket list? Raise your hand if you have a bucket list. Now, if you don't know what a bucket list, I know this is kind of new, maybe a little old, old school. I'm, I'm 51 years old. I know I don't look but 29, but hey, that was a very weird laugh there. A little awkward. You really look 51. It's all right. Uh, A bucket list is a list of things that you want to do in your lifetime. You know, things like maybe jump out of a plane or go to Indonesia or eat a piece of chocolate cake on the Eiffel Tower. I always, one of the things that I haven't done that's on my bucket list is I want to go on a safari. I mean, I want to get in a truck and have the threat of being eaten by a lion. If that doesn't get you juices flowing, I don't know what does. I mean, to be out in the middle. I'm not talking about with a cage or watching National Geographic on television. I'm talking real, no no holds barred. The lion could literally eat you in any moment. I want to do that. And as a result of that, I do a lot of studying because I want to know what's going to eat me. How they're going to eat me. And what's going to happen after they eat me. So... I actually uh, l- did a little research on elephants, and interestingly enough, you may not know that elephants can get pretty stink- stinking big. The largest elephant ever recorded was 24,000 pounds. That's huge. That's a, that's, a big, that's a big animal, huge animal. They they have a height of up to 13 feet Check this out. They eat on average every day. If you think your teenager eats a lot of food, they eat 330 pounds a day. If you think that's bad, they poop 300 pounds a day. Imagine trying to go behind and with a bag and try to clean that up. That would be really hard. I watch people on the side of the road every Sunday morning when I go to church and they're clean. Anyway, did you know that elephants can run 25 miles an hour? That's fast. They can carry with their trunk 1,200 pounds. 1,200 pounds. That's huge. That's, that's, that's big. Interesting, when an elephant is born in captivity and they want to keep the elephant captive, what they'll do is they'll take a, stick a stake in the ground and they'll take a chain and they will wrap the chain around the elef, elephant's, the, the, the tiny elephant, the small elephant, the baby elephant's foot like this. There's a picture of it up here. And they will use that chain to hold that elephant back as it's growing. Now, here's the interesting thing. As the elephant gets older, because of the tension of the chain, they will switch the chain to a rope. Remember, elephants can get 24,000 pounds, 13 feet high, can lift 1,200 pounds with their trunk. However, because they have been trained with the chain as a child, When they're older, all it takes is a little tug on their foot to hold them back. And they're held captive with just a little rope. Today, we're going to expose the little rope, the little paper chains that I believe hold many Christians back. The things that seem as if they are really strong in your life, when in reality, all you got to do is move like that 24,000-pound animal and you can break it. Today's your day to break free. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I'm free. Oh, you can do better than that. That's, that sounded really weak. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I'm free. Come on, you got to declare it if you really believe it. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, Paul said this. He said, then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Today, what we're going to do, and really this whole entire series called Paper Change, is to expose the enemy schemes that are holding people back from the purpose and and calling that God has for them. And what we're going to do is we're going to I'm going to show you some things because when you see something scripturally, you never can unsee it. It's amazing when you when you see something, you're like, Oh my gosh, I never saw that before. The great thing about God's word is you can never unsee it. When Jesus began his ministry, he had been alive for 30 years, and he stepped into a church, went into a synagogue, and he makes a declaration in Isaiah chapter, from Isaiah 61. So he goes, and, and, he, and he stands in front of the church, in front of all of his people, and, and and he's and he's getting ready to start his ministry, and he makes this declaration of who he is. This is who Jesus is. This is why Jesus came. And it comes from Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus makes this declaration. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has sent me to to heal the brokenhearted. And then he makes this statement. To proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives and release from darkness for those that are in prison. This is the whole purpose of the plan of Christ is to remove those chains that have bound many of us. I've been doing this for 30 years, been in, in church for 30 years. I've watched people answer the same altar call over and over and over again. They go right back to their seat exactly the same. They go right back into their jobs exactly the same. They go right back home exactly the same because they never realize that what Jesus paid for for them can be appropriated daily for them. And you can live a free life. Look at your neighbor again. Just look at him and say, you are free. Jesus came so that you could live a free life. Not just survive, but thrive. Not just barely get by, oh, I'm just barely getting by. No, actually live a life that is, that is overwhelmingly great and amazing. Now, in order to understand that, there are two specific chains that we need to break today or expose that the enemy has enforced. So I'd encourage you to write some stuff down, take some notes. The first is what are called, the Bible calls strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. These are mindsets. These are internal lies that people believe. They spend their entire life believing them. Fortresses set up, set in motion by the enemy. They're more internal. They, they sometimes set themselves up against the truth. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul, Paul explains what these strongholds are. Beginning in verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Now, if you're new to the Bible, the word flesh uh, basically means this. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. We all have this tent, the Bible calls it. It's called our flesh. Your body often determines how you live your life. If you're hungry, what do you do? Go eat. Like it's, what time is it right now? It's 12 o'clock. Okay, I even said that. You're already going, man, where can I go eat today? Man, I'm hungry. He didn't even mention it. I'm starving right now. I haven't eaten at least for an hour. Because we're, we're, our bodies are, are tuned or are, are, are set in motion. So, it, you know, whenever you wake up, you eat. Whenever noon, you eat. 5.30, you eat. 7, you eat. 9, you eat. I don't know. Maybe that's how you live. I don't know. Your flesh tells you you're tired. What do you do? You sleep. Your flesh tries... But in order to live by the spirit, you have to crucify the flesh. Because your body is not you. You are a spirit. And when you become a believer, your spirit is reborn. And the Bible says we are given the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us to direct us and help us live. So when your body wants to get out of whack, your spirit goes, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Now the wrestling match happens in your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So there's this tug of war between the spirit man and the flesh, and your soul is like, what do I believe? What do I believe? So the more that I spend time in the presence of God, the more I'll be spiritually inclined than fleshly inclined. Now, so what is Paul saying? He's saying that, listen, the problems that we face in the external are not fleshly problems, meaning your boss is not your problem. Your, your husband is not your problem. The person, the flesh, is not the problem. No, what we're dealing with, even in America right now, is not a person problem, not a political problem, but a spiritual problem. Are you following me? It's not an issue of white against black. It's, a, it's an issue of the kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness. Are you following me? So it's not an issue of racism. It's it's a spiritual issue. So you yelling at somebody on Facebook ain't going to change anything. You cussing at somebody, cussing at me on Facebook ain't going to change anything. All right? You calling somebody out on Facebook. No, it's a spiritual issue. So we have to deal with it with truth, with spirit things. So Paul says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We, we, we walk in the flesh, but we don't war against the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not, are, not, are, are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Say it again. Say strongholds. Now, what is a stronghold? He gives us exactly what a stronghold is. Verse 5, casting down arguments. First of all, a stronghold is an argument. Now, what's an argument? Remember, the Old Testament Hebrew translated into English, New Testament, Greek translated into English. The word for argument is the, is the Greek word meaning speculation. It's a, it's a speculative idea that has set itself up in your heart. Okay, so how, do, how does speculation happen? It comes as a result of experience. So if you have an experience in your life, you can immediately come up with a speculation. So somebody does something to you. So you set up, well, everybody's like that. Let me give you a politically tough one right now, okay? We've seen all kinds of problems in the last few months with police. So what happened is all police are bad because of issues that were bad. So we have a whole idea in America that we need to defund the police. Let's just get rid of them. Can I tell you, that's not really a good idea. I know know you're thinking, you go, well, maybe it is. Okay, I've been to some countries that don't have police. I can promise you, it ain't a good idea. It ain't a good idea. Because when somebody comes and tries to rob your house, it's not a good idea. Now, you can call it whatever you want, but what that is is a speculation. Everybody say, I love you, Pastor. I'm just trying to help you here, okay? Okay. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. This is not a flesh and blood issue. This is a spiritual issue. And the sp- underlying spiritual issue is if we're not careful because of our experience, we can, be, we can, be, we can set up speculations or arguments that are like strongholds. So we want to close the door on something in our life, but that stronghold sets itself up. Stronghold, good way to think of it like this. Anybody ever been in a situation where they're trying to close the door and somebody sticks their foot into it and they goes, wham, and just hits their foot and you're like, I want to close the door, I want to close the door. Wham, it just keeps hitting their foot. That's a stronghold. That experience rises up and becomes a speculation, which in turn can become a prejudice, can be, become a, a stereotype, which is, which is in essence a chain that holds you back from all that God has for you. Secondly, secondly, it says, and every high thing, That exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So, strongholds are number one, arguments or speculations, and number two, exalted thoughts that are above God. Again, can come as a result of our experience when we let our realities take the place of God's word. Just because you lived it doesn't make it's truth. Okay, that, that's a hard thing for us because life, li- life needs to be fair. Let me just tell you something. Life ain't fair. It's not fair. And guess who's not fair? God. God's not fair. What? He's not fair? No, no, no. He's just. He's just. He functions on justice, not fairness. Okay? Are you following me? Just read the Bible. It, it's not. It's not... Fair, well, well, why It's not fair? No, we, we are built around choice. So you've been given the ability to choose justice based on your choice. Otherwise, everybody would be exactly the same. By the way, that's called socialism, just so you know. God is not a socialist j- God, just so you know, okay? I know that's not politically correct either. Just wanted to throw that out there. In Jesus' name, amen, all right. I'm sure I'll get some stuff about that too, but it's all right. See, strongholds are like the invisible dog fence. You don't realize they're there until you get close to it, and it zaps you. Anybody ever ever tried one of those, put one of those around your neck? Never did that in your fraternity? Okay, all right. Anyway. <laughs> how, how are they exposed? Okay, how, how are strongholds exposed in our lives? Okay, three things, three ways that strongholds are exposed in your life and my life. Number one, they're exposed by what we say. They're exposed by what comes out of our mouth. I will never be. That's a stronghold. I will always do. That's a stronghold. I will never. Strongholds ultimately become inner vows that set up generational strongholds that will work its way down through your your life. That's why the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ has to be a legacy mindset and not just one generation only. God is multi-generation. He's always, he's always thinking legacy, always thinking the future. The reason why you're saved is for your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. The reason why he's doing what's in your life is for your kids, your great-grand your grandkids, and your great-grandkids. The reason why God's setting you up financially is for your kids, your grandkids, and your great-grandkids. He's, he wants to, he's generational. He's legacy. He's always legacy. But guess who else is also legacy? The devil. He also wants to affect you. If he can get a stronghold in your life, it's going to affect your kids, your your grandkids, and your great-grandkids. So he wants to do exactly the same thing. So it's exposed by what we say, what comes out of our mouth. I will never be good enough. I will always be overweight. I will always be addicted to it. I will never have enough. I'll never go to college. All those are as a result of a stronghold. Wham, somebody put it right in front of the door. Wham, you never close it. Second way they're exposed is how we think, our self-talk. Not just what comes out of your mouth, but also what's going in your head. There's a lot going in there, isn't there? There's a lot of stuff happening up there right now. I know a lot of stuff's going in my head right now. Why isn't he paying attention? Why is he asleep? Man, I'm hungry. Where am I going to eat? That's all happening in my head too. And thirdly, our behavior, our behavior. Exposed strongholds. stronghold. So how do we how do we understand when we have a stronghold? This is this is it. Community, other people. Because often you don't know it. It's a blind spot to you until somebody comes along, like Aaron. Pastor Aaron comes up and goes, Hey, why'd you say that? And you go, said what? Why did you say you'll never go to college? Well, I don't know. Because my family never went to college. Well, why why would you want to say that? Oh, I don't know, I don't know, why did I want to say that? And you go, well, well, well why don't you stop saying that? Oh, okay. I'll never have a house. Those are strongholds. The only way they're exposed is through community. So God puts relationships in your life, people in your life that challenge you, that confront you, that get in your business and mess with you, and challenge you, and help you. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good, right? That's why it's so important to not disconnect from community. That's why it's so important to be involved with other people, and connect with other people. Even, even the ones that get on your nerves are come, sometimes sand, sandpaper for the rough edges in your life. They're just, they're just there to kind of rub you the wrong way and get you to start thinking a little bit differently. I know you don't like them, but they're there for a reason, and God knows. Amen. All right, number two chain. I'm not getting very far with that one. Number two chain, and this is where I want to spend the rest of my time, is is demonic influence. Okay, so we got the internal strongholds. Now let's talk about the demonic influence. Very important. This is a very important Christmas message. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for making me preach this in December. All right. This is the external attack of spiritual forces or demonic attacks. All through Scripture, we see spirits at work. And they are just as much on assignment as you are on assignment. They have an assignment towards you. Now, where did they come from? Great question. Where did these demons come from? Where does this demonic attack come from? Well, we got to go all the way back to the beginning. There was one of the three angels, the three archangels, was a guy by the name of Lucifer. Lucifer was the angel that covered. He was in the presence of God. And and he got prideful, and so God had to kick him out of heaven. And it went from being Lucifer to Satan. But right as he was leaving, Revelation 12 verse 4 tells us, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. In other words, as Lucifer was leaving heaven, he convinced a third of the angels to come along with him. Why? Because the devil is not omnipresent. Let me say it another way. There is no opposite to God. Okay? Opposite of up is, opposite of hot is, okay, opposite of God, there is none. Well, you, well, well the devil. No, 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 no. No, the devil was a created being. God created Lucifer. Lucifer became the devil. On the devil's best day, he'll never meet up to God's match. He'll never, ever be able to challenge God. No, we can't think that way if we're followers of God, or else the devil will be able to, at some point, get an edge on you, and he's never meant to do that. Are you following me? If we believe in God, his name is above every name. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that rises against you shall fall. You're the head, not the tail, above and not beneath, going over and not under. Are you following me? That's our relationship with God. There is no, there is no opposite of God. So he took a third of the angels, and they became his, his minions, so to speak. And they have rank and file, just like God has generals and, 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 and angels that are in specific arenas. The devil does Two, Ephesians tells us that there's principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual hosts of wickedness. So we got four different levels of demonic influence that has been assigned to you. If you're doing anything for God, you're going to feel some pressure. Now, if you're just sitting around patty-caking with, you know, pray the Lord, amen, hallelujah, kumbaya, probably not going to feel any pressure. you probably get comfortable with the demonic activity in our lives. And we're just, okay, it's all right. And now what's happening today, oh, you just need to love everybody. Just love them, love them. Talk to the burglar when he comes to your house. I just love you. Just come on in, have a seat. How about some coffee? Just come on in, i pray the Lord. You must be having some family problems. <laughs> Trying to rob me and just come on in. No, that's not how you deal with the enemy who came to steal, kill, and destroy. Remember, Remember, we're not, we're, we love people, we fight the enemy. Let me say it again. We love people because people aren't the issue. Are you following me? It's not an issue of a person. It's an issue of a spiritual attack that we have to deal with. Now, in the New Testament, we see, we see spiritual influence or demonic activity all through the New Testament. Let me just give you six quick instances of them so you can see them and you'll never unsee it. The first is the spirit of mammon. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, you cannot serve God and mammon, or money. Some translations say money. Actually, in the Greek, it's the word mammon. Mammon was the Babylonian god of greed. And so what God's saying is, if you want your money blessed, bring it into obedience to me, because all money has a spirit on it, either God's spirit or not God's spirit. And there's only two spirits, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. There's no middle ground. It's either one or the other. And so in order to get mammon off of our money, because it's on there, in order to get mammon off of it, we tithe, we give. And as a result, it removes. When you give to God, he blesses the rest. The blessing comes when we're obedient with our finances. Listen, church, it's not about money. It's about the blessing of God that he wants to get on your life. It's not about how much. It's about the blessing of God that he wants to get on your life. The second spirit that we see in the Bible is an unclean spirit. Luke chapter 4, verse 33, it says, Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. By the way, demons go to church. Don't look around. They do come to church. The devil does come to church. I know all the movies say he won't walk in the church. No, he's here. He comes all the time, all the time. He wants, to, he, if he can influence, and that's kind of sad, honestly, but if it happened with Jesus, it definitely, why would we think any differently now? So, so there's an unclean spirit in the synagogue, and he cried with an loud voice. An unclean spirit is an impure spirit that propagates anything that is unholy. Addiction, alcoholism, these are all unclean. Homosexuality. Transgender, all these things are, are, are un, 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 impure, unclean spirits that will affect you. Third is the spirit of fear. 2 like Timothy 1 verse 7, for God's not, not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, I said earlier that, that I, I take very seriously the coronavirus and the COVID issues that we're facing uh, in, our, in our country and in the world. However, I do believe that the coronavirus and COVID is about 80% fear-based. I, I think it's a physical issue, but I think it's more fear-related than it is physical. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm proving, I, I'll tell you from my experience why I believe this. First of all, all the fear that is propagating in people's lives. Now, is it real? Absolutely. Do people get sick? Yes. Do people die? Yes. 100% believe that, 100% understand that. However, there also is a fear component that the enemy is using to control and manipulate. It is a spirit. It's a spirit. When this all started back in January, February, I was riding in my car. Okay, I was driving down the road. I was listening to uh, radio. Journalist came on, and he started explaining coronavirus. And he was going all into the details. How many people are going to die? Millions upon millions upon millions of people are going to die. All of a sudden, I'm driving in my car. All of a sudden, fear comes and sits in my passenger seat. And I am overwhelmed. I feel depressed. I feel fearful. I called my wife. I said, we're all going to die. We're all going to die, honey. I don't know what we're going to do. We're all going to die. We're we're not going to make it, honey. Just go get some toilet paper, honey. We're never going to make it. Please help us, Lord, oh, God. <laughs> she reached through the phone and smacked me upside the head and said, Boy, what you doing? You're a child of God. And all of a sudden, I snapped out of it. I was like, what the heck happened? I got into the fear funk. And there's a lot of people that are in the fear funk right now. They're, they are controlled by fear way more than just wearing a mask. That's all I'm talking about. If you need to wear a mask, wear a mask. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about gripped by fear. That's the spirit of the enemy. we got to break that spirit. The Spirit of infirmity is another one. It's more than just having a head cold or a headache or sinus infection. I'm talking about a spirit of infirmity, Luke chapter 13, verse 11. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. The Bible says she was bent over. She was bent over and could no way raise herself up. A spirit of infirmity will always steal your vision, it will always cause you to look down instead of forward. And so, infirmity is generational, it's more than just getting sick, it is uh, like cancer. Being transferred down through generation to generation. Depression, anxiety, addiction. Th- those are spirits of infirmity, a spirit of divination. In Acts chapter 16, verse 16, now it happened as we went, Paul was talking about as they were going to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination. Remember the Old Testament, Hebrew, English, Greek. Divination is the Greek word pythanos, it's, it's, it's the spirit of python. It's a python spirit. How does a python kill its prey? Squeezing. And so what happens is the spirit of divination is not 1-900-Deon Warwick. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, that, I'm talking about a spirit that comes and tries to squeeze the spirit of God out of you. To remove the breath of God, the, the Holy Spirit from the environment. That's why it's so important to preach the power of God. And then the last one, which is the overarching, is the spirit of the Antichrist. First John 4 and 3, it says, And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Now I know, I know what you're thinking. I thought the Antichrist was a person. Well, before it becomes a person, it's a spirit that controls. And it looks really good, by the way. It looks peaceful. But it has the absence of God. It pulls Jesus out of the equation. In other words, what the spirit of the Antichrist would do would say, hey, you can have peace without God. You can make it without the presence of God. So let's just remove the church. Let's just remove anything religious. Let's just remove all of that because I've got a plan that's better than Christ's plan. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. And it looks good. And what will happen in the end times is the person who rises up and takes the place of the Antichrist, he will say all the right things, do all the right stuff, but it will be all anti-God. And so you remove God out of the question. By the way, you remove the church out of America, you got problems. You got major problems. All you gotta do is look at other countries that are not founded on a spirit of freedom of religion. All you gotta do is go to another country and find out what it looks like to have a place like India, like these countries like I've been to Haiti, places that are not Christian founded, that that are not that are just full of demonic activity. Now, in order to deal with this. Listen, we have to comprehend before we can confront. So let me just close with just giving you a couple thoughts here. And I'm going to go to Mark chapter 5, and this is your homework this week. Okay, your homework this week is read Mark 5, 1 through 20. Okay, just, just 20 verses, you can do it. Five days, that's four verses a day. You can handle that. All right? And next week we'll have a, a quiz on it. It'll be multiple choice open book. Okay? Okay. Mark chapter 5, Jesus has just had, if you read Mark chapter 4, if you want extra credit, read Mark chapter 4 too. Because Jesus had the best life group ever, best small group ever with his disciples. And then he says to him, hey, we got to go over to the other side. Everybody say other side. So Mark chapter 5 is him going to the other side. Interestingly enough, the other side is a place that is occupied by a demonic influence. It says, now... When they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the gatherings, Jesus was always intentional in going into demonically influenced territory. I was talking about Haiti a few minutes ago. I'll never forget when I went to Haiti, the first time I ever went. We landed the plane, and we had to fly a private plane in order to get to where we wanted to get, and so we landed, and we opened the door of the plane, and I have First of all, I've never smelled anything like that in my life. It was the worst smell you've ever smelled. But the the feeling of oppression was stronger than the physical smell. I'd never felt anything like that. And and so when you are sensitive to spiritual things, it's it's not just knowing when demonic activity, it's knowing when God's there too. It's not just identifying, oh, that's a demon, that's a demon, that's a demon, that's a demon. So some people do that. It's also experiencing, hey, that's the presence of God. Man, God is there. Let's experience that, which is way more. We want way more of that. And so I get out of the plane, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is this, I feel pressure on my chest. I felt pressure all around me. And my pastor goes, We need to pray right now. And we need to occupy space. See, God is calling us to occupy territory that the enemy has held for a long time. Not just geographically, but also spiritually. That's why you feel the pressure that you feel right now. And so when he got out of the boat, verse 2, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, an impure spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. Why? Because demonic influence will always try to isolate you pull you away from community take you away from the church and don't use any influence it can offense betrayal hurt unforgiveness any tool it can to pull you away from people who can help you it will do this guy was running around in in a, in, a, uh, in a in a in a tombs he he was in a not a funeral home but a a a graveyard couldn't think of it thank you Aaron Look, anytime I drive by a graveyard, I don't even want to stop. I mean, it's not a good place to hang out. Amen, just want to make that clear. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him. And the shackles broke in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. Demonic activity is not something you can reason with or reason away. It has to be done spiritually. I love what Jack Hayford said. You can't disciple a demon, and you can't cast out the flesh. You can't disciple a demon because they lie, they cheat, they manipulate, they control, they steal. So Ephesians 6.12 says, For we're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood. So how do we discern? We discern through prayer. You spend time in prayer. You seek God in prayer. And then he gives you sensitivity on what to say and how to deal with it. It says in verse 5, And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from from afar, he ran and worshipped him. Demons know the presence of God. They know authority. They understand authority. So how do you deal with them? Authority. You walk in authority. You don't have to be afraid of the devil. You don't have to be afraid of fear. You don't have to be afraid of unclean spirits. You don't have to be afraid of demons. You have to be afraid of any of that stuff. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You, you, the greater one lives, remember, there's no opposite to God. So if God lives in you, you have no threat. You say, well, what do I need to do? Authority. Walk in authority. Now, don't be like in Acts chapter 19, the sons of Sceva. They were these these boys that decided to try to cast out demons and they had no authority. And so they went in to deal with the demon. They said, We cast you out in the name of the guy who Paul talks about every now and then. And the demon jumped on him, beat him up, ripped their clothes off, and kicked them out of the house. No, but when you face a a, a a spiritual activity, now here's what here's what I here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want you to go to the Walmart this afternoon. And Find, you know, some crazy person, because that's where they usually are. They don't go to Target. They go to Walmart. <laughs> Anytime after about 9 p.m. at Walmart, there's demonic activity in there, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> that's not what I'm talking about. And you don't have to yell at them. You have to scream at them. Authority doesn't have to do that. You just say, leave, in Jesus' name. And they have to obey when you are under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You have authority because of whose you are. You have authority because of whose you are. You're named in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Your big brother is Jesus. And he takes care of us. He cried with a loud voice, verse 7. What have we to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. How do, how do you, you've got to confront, you attack the enemy, you attack it, you don't pacify it, you don't patty cake, you don't play with demonic activity, you attack it. Matthew chapter 11 says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violence take it by force. You have to take your family by force, take your marriage by force, take your kids by force, take your neighborhood by force. How do you do it? Praise and worship, truth, prayer. You speak the word of God over your situation. That's your weapon. That's your authority. You enact it by attacking it in Jesus' name. Amen? So Jesus says, come out of the man, the unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what's your name? I... By no means do you start talking to a demon. Jesus can do it. I don't recommend you do it. How you doing? What's your name? No, I don't don't do that. The the situations I've been in where I've had to deal with it, I don't don't care what their name is. They need to leave. But notice what happens. Jesus asked what his name is. He doesn't give his name. He gives his number. He says Legion, which is not his name. That's his number, which means 6,000. Legion meant 6,000. And here's what he said. And I'm almost done, verse 10. And also, he begged, the demon begged, the demons begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Why? Why did he say that? Because they had been assigned to that region and they did not want to leave that region. Understand something. Understand something, church. This is what's so important about our role right now. And I can tell you from from, from me as your pastor and and what we're trying to do at Freedom House Church, this year has been the best year for us as a church to clarify why we are here in this city, why we're here in this nation. We've been given an assignment nationally to deoccupy demonic realms. In our city, God has called us. That's what you're a part of, by the way. You're a part of a church that's going aggressively attacking the enemy on a daily basis especially this year. This has been a year of clarification of assignment for us as a church. And so that's where we are. That's where we're headed. And that's what we're gonna do. In 2021, man, we're gonna keep pushing. God has given us assignment, and we're we're not gonna leave our post, and I challenge you not to leave your post either. Don't come off the wall. Stand exactly where you are. Keep fighting for it. Goes on to say that there was a herd of swine, Jesus commanded the demons to go into the bacon. They went down into the water. Just a complete waste. I mean, it's just horrible. I'm a little depressed just reading 11, 12, 13, and 14. And then the man came back who was demon-possessed and basically said, hey, I want to follow you. Now, here's what's interesting about this is he wanted to follow him, but Jesus said, no, you, I, I, you can't come with me because I have a mission for you. And his mission was, I want you to live your testimony. Go and tell everybody what has happened to you. And the thing that really blows my mind about the whole situation is the people that lived in the land wanted Jesus to leave because it's very easy to get comfortable with that, with that oppression. And you start and you start just kind of just just kind of living there and they they didn't care. But see, Jesus came to set them free. And we're called to live that testimony on a daily basis, every day, declaring the freedom that God has given each one of us in Jesus' name. Why don't you stand up on your feet today? I hope you learned something today. I know this was a little this wasn't your typical Christian message. I mean a Christmas (laughs) message. Come on, give Jesus a big hand clap. God's good. Listen, if, you're, if you, are maybe, maybe one of those spirits you feel like has infiltrated your house, your marriage, your kids, your, your life, your family. Would you just be bold enough to say, man, I, I, need, I need some freedom today. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Maybe addiction. Maybe you're suffering with addiction. I want to pray for you today. Matter of fact, I'm not going to pray for you. You're going to declare what it is God has for you. We're going to all do this together. With both hands lifted, if that's you, just say this with me. Say, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's all together, even if you're watching online, just say, in Jesus' name. I declare by the authority that I've been given as a son and daughter of God, a son and daughter of the kingdom of heaven, I take authority over this demonic influence. And I declare freedom. Freedom over my heart. Freedom over my life. Freedom over my family. Freedom over my future. Freedom over my purpose. Freedom over my kids. I declare freedom over my body. I am healed. I am free. Devil, you have no authority in my life From this day forward, I will live as God intended me to live. I'm above and not beneath. I'm going over and not under. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I declare I am free in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap.
0: Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at freedomhouse.com. And subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week. And we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.